0: don't be nervous, or don't be sad. From an early age, we're often encouraged, both explicitly and often more subtly, to maintain a positive mental attitude. And through the stories we hear, whether of elite athletes or undersized yet unfailingly optimistic anthropomorphic trains, it can be easy to internalize the idea that to be successful, we must crush those negative thoughts in our head and stay positive no matter what. There's a ton of research that does support the value of positive thinking, of course. But sometimes it can be pretty exhausting to keep it up. Because inevitably, we do experience things in life that are disappointing, discouraging, or frustrating. Heck, sometimes we just feel kind of blah for no apparent reason. And when life throws us curveballs, most of us do have moments of pessimism, doubt, or anxiety. So just how critical is it that we stay positive 24-7 anyway? In recent years, there's been increasing research interest in the way that different people approach the negative thoughts and emotions they experience. Some folks tend to judge these negative thoughts and emotions as bad and try to change them, while other folks are more inclined to simply accept them as normal things that our brain does to us from time to time and move on. Those are two pretty different approaches. So a team of researchers surveyed 1,003 undergraduate students, to find out how these two approaches to negative thoughts and emotions might play out in their lives. Students were asked to respond to questions like, I tell myself I shouldn't be feeling the way that I'm feeling. They also completed measures of psychological well-being, life satisfaction, depression, and anxiety. So was there any relationship between their approach to negativity and their mental well-being? Indeed, there was. Specifically, the researchers found that the more accepting students were of negative thoughts and emotions, the greater well-being and satisfaction with life they reported. More acceptance of negativity was also linked to fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety as well. Which is kind of weird, right? The more okay they were with experiencing negative thoughts and emotions, the less mental stress they experienced. These results might seem a little paradoxical at first, but they actually kind of make sense when you think about it. As the researchers explain, people who are more accepting of their negative thoughts and emotions are a. less likely to dwell on these thoughts, which just increases the time you're stewing in that negativity, b. are less likely to try and stop these kinds of thoughts, because trying to stop them often just makes them stronger, and c. are less likely to experience what they call negative meta-emotional reactions to these negative thoughts, like feeling shame about feeling depressed. In other words, to quote the researchers, when people accept versus judge their mental experiences, those experiences run their natural and relatively short-lived course rather than being exacerbated. Which might sound all fine and dandy in theory, but if you're thinking that there's no way you'll be able to simply accept your recent audition disappointment or the snarky thing your stand partner said at rehearsal today that made you feel really small, there's one key detail to clarify. Specifically, the researchers found that there was a difference between accepting one's mental experience and accepting one's situation. And what does that mean? Well, if you have a performance or audition that didn't go so great, it's perfectly natural and okay to feel disappointed. And it's not going to help to beat yourself up for not bouncing back faster. It's like if your five-year-old is scared of water and doesn't want to jump off the diving board, he wouldn't use anger or shame to get them to stop feeling fear, right? because that's just going to produce a whole cocktail of other emotions on top of the fear. On the other hand, accepting that you're feeling bummed out, while helpful, is not the same as accepting the performance, which is not so helpful, because you can make changes in your preparation and try to set yourself up to play better the next time. And so this idea takes us to one of the team's follow-up studies. To see if the findings about emotional acceptance might also relate to performance tasks, 156 participants were asked to complete a stressful public speaking task. The researchers videotaped the participants giving a speech on why their communication skills qualify them for a job they applied for. And to add additional pressure, they were told that their speech would be evaluated by judges, trained to critically evaluate both verbal and nonverbal communication. So, was emotional acceptance helpful in this situation as well? Well, once again, the answer is yes. Much like in the first study, the participants who scored higher in emotional acceptance experienced fewer negative emotions during their speaking performance. Again, paradoxically, it seems that the more accepting participants were of negative mental thoughts and emotions, the less distressed they were during the speaking task, because they were okay with feeling whatever nerves or anxiety the situation prompted which is actually consistent with a relatively new approach to treating depression and anxiety that's known as acceptance and commitment therapy, or acceptance and commitment training in some situations. Many of the principles of ACT are increasingly being applied to high-level athletic performance, as well as music. Over the years, I think a lot of us have internalized the notion that being nervous is a no-no, and that if we still do feel nervous on stage, it's because we didn't practice enough. Or even worse, that if we feel nervous even after practicing diligently, maybe we're just not cut out for performing. Which isn't true, of course, and just results in a kind of emotional double whammy, where we not only feel the nerves themselves, but a whole layer of other crappy, uncomfortable negative stuff on top. Which makes an already challenging performance even more difficult and can lead to subpar playing that then appears to prove the thing that we were afraid of in the first place. It's all a bit like the experience of farting in a crowded elevator. Like, in the immediate aftermath, there is the matter of the stinkiness, which is unpleasant, but is over and done with pretty quickly. That's the acceptance. What tends to be more painful and distressing is the embarrassment and shame, that's the judgment, that we often add to the situation, which sticks around long after the fumes have dissipated. A positive mindset can certainly be an asset, but if you're having a bad day and feeling pessimistic, it sounds like it's also important to give yourself permission to just let it be and let it pass. Because feeling guilty about being angry or angry about feeling guilty or disappointed about feeling disappointed just amplifies the negativity. So perhaps this would be a good week to practice giving yourself and your students permission to feel apprehensive or slightly uneasy about an upcoming performance and to be wary about offering well-intentioned advice like don't be nervous or there's nothing to be nervous about, which could be interpreted to mean being nervous is bad. After all, we have only so much brain power available at any given time. It's no fun if we spend the entire performance being so preoccupied with fighting an internal battle with our nerves or telling ourselves that we shouldn't be nervous that we get to the end of a performance and realize we never got a chance to say any of the things we actually wanted to say. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.